0: The bones and bobbins podcast is now on patreon would Woo. you like access to bonus episodes digital extras exclusive merch and more join mm-hmm. us in the curiosity shop at patreon.com backslash bones and bobbins
1: your generous support helps make the show happen and will also earn you our very eternal gratitude -hmm. And entry into our private Patreon only Facebook group. Which is which is a delight. (laughs) It really is. (laughs) So delightful that we said it at the exact same time. Yep.
0: We stand by our our statement.
1: Yes, so you know (laughs) it's true. (laughs) Yeah. In a dusty old shop on a forgotten old street, You'll find two witches with books three boxes deep. Next to rusty old needles and faded red thread, you'll come in for yarn, but leave with pigments instead. Whether poisons or patterns, we're always discreet. Where creepy and crafty and morbidity meet. Welcome to the Bones and Bobbins podcast. Hello, Morbid Makers. We are your slightly creepy
0: mildly disconcerting,
1: somewhat sinister,
0: delightfully discomposed, opaquely odd, merrily morbid,
1: and marvelously misanthropic hosts.
0: And this is Bones and Bobbins, Season 4, Episode 5, Treasure!
1: (laughs) Yes! (laughs) I'm Haley from Red Handled Scissors and The Very Serious Crafts Podcast, and I go by she and her.
0: And I'm Natalie from Uber Dark Designs, an official true crime creative, and my pronouns are she and her.
1: So, hey, hi, hello. Hi. Hi. (laughs) Hi.
0: Exactly.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. I, uh, I'm locked in a battle with a door on the third floor this week. Yeah. Um, Who's winning? The door. decidedly no, no. <laughs> the door. So I, as people who have listened for a while know, I um, have the third floor of my house as my workspace and only one of those rooms currently has anything in it and it is the one I'm sitting in. But the other main room, um, which will eventually be my study, is one of those weird spaces where something is a bit off, not necessarily in a bad way, but just, hmm. Hmm. Um, But that room, from when we bought the house, has a padlock um, latch on the outside of
0: that door. (laughs) Which is always just a little, that's
1: suspicious. That's weird. Yes. Yeah, it, it, it is. But the thing that's worse is that it simply will not stay shut. And so at least once a day, I wander up the stairs, go past, you know, absentmindedly close the door and flip the latch over to hold it in place. And then at some point after dark, I will come up the stairs and just, you know, take a little look over to my left. And the door will be cracked open and the latch will be undone. And it just is. Yeah, (laughs) that's... And yes. I mean, it's fine. We huh? seem to be just playing that game, whatever. As
0: long as whatever. it doesn't like,
1: escalate. <laughs> oh, it's, it's been exactly <laughs> the same since I moved in. It's just that um, I have a working light fixture in the hallway now. Mm. So I have been going up the stairs and into this room in pitch black. Huh. Um, but now I can see that door. Because I have a light switch. (laughs) And so it was doing it the whole time because every single day I have to close the door again. Like at this moment when I was on my way downstairs, um, right before we started recording, I noticed that it was cracked open and unlatched. Hmm. Like it just does.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I had a cubbyhole like that in my room growing up. It was Always a little.
1: No. Yeah, well, that room has a really large closet with a hidden door to a crawl space in the back of it. So it's it's got layers of... Yeah, it's "Hmm."
0: definitely layers of... "Hmm."
1: Yep, and the other side of the uh, uh, passage door up here is right in front of that room. So there's just a lot going on in that yes. area. And, I mean, whatever. It's <laughs> fine. I didn't need that door to stay shut
0: anyway. I was going to say, if, uh, with all that going on, I'm guessing yeah, the door popping open is probably like the least frightening of the possibilities, I suppose.
1: It's, it's fine. I mean... Like I said, I don't need to have that door shut. There is nothing in there at this moment. Like, my not pet friendly plants are in this room with me. The only thing that's in that room currently is a barrister's bookcase with glass fronted shelves, a really weird um, wall sconce with a hand holding a candle. And yeah, it's it's pretty fun. Yep, and a mass of really confusing old gas pipes, I think, um, <laughs> that the electricians found under the floor. <laughs> so, nice. <laughs> like, it's fine. I mean, there's a nice window seat in there, so I just hope that, um, that it's a pleasant experience for whatever does not want that door to be shut. Same. Well, anyway, how are you? I'm good. It's
0: uh, it's the beginning of May, which is botanical fevery season for me, which means that I will <laughs> I will boldly carry my Okay, so they used to, I used to have the actual pruning shears, but now it's usually just like scissors. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um so then I may steal people's white locks because they are my absolute favorite. And I have already acquired uh, a glass dish and uh, with a lid and Mm -hmm. coconut oil. And I am ordering tins for when it's completed, but I am determined to do some enrage and make us some concentrated lilac solid perfume.
1: I am excited. I am currently wearing some lilac en fleurage because there is I I can't tell I can't tell if it has gone bad <laughs> <laughs> because lilac doesn't smell great when it's just in dissolved in the fat it doesn't smell like lilacs until you actually have it on you right and so it's unclear I don't know yeah. it's fine I'm sure
0: I'm just excited because they're my favorite and nothing ever smells the same like you can't no. you cannot get anything that smells exactly like lilacs um,
1: except for Enflourage, right. which is I oh I paid an absurd amount for the lilac solid perfume
0: yeah i was uh that i have when i was looking at uh different types of tin because i've done and we've covered entourage on, on the podcast and i've also done research um as well in terms of you know like containers that you put it in the carrier oils all of that stuff um mm. but i was looking at you know tins to put it in when it's done um and it was funny because there's so many people like Somebody was trying to on Etsy was trying to say that their solid lilac perfume was done via enflorage, and I'm like, not for ten dollars, it wasn't. <laughs> like, you know, because it's like the other ones were like 60, 70 up on up. Uh, oh yeah, for, I, and I was like, there's I think no I paid way. I one hundred
1: and fifty for mine.
0: Right, I'm like, there's no way you nursed that pan of fat and lilacs for weeks, changing them daily. They're charging $10 for that. So. um,
1: No, 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 no. For sure not.
0: It's just something that I've always wanted to do. and
1: I'm really excited to to see how it turns out. Because I feel like coconut oil and lilacs would be a really lovely combination. It
0: seems to be the best of the oils. I know back in the... So there's uh, a lot of people recommended crisco but i won't do crisco because palm oil um so i don't want to contribute to that um and if i were to do the tallow mixture um i i don't know i don't yeah exactly so i just don't feel like it would i out of all of the ones that i've um that i've read up on most people do use coconut and it's it tends to be the best so that's what I'm going with you know and this could be a complete clusterfuck but it will have me smelling lilacs like daily for a while so
1: <laughs> which is ideal right <laughs> i just learned that because we bought the house at the end of April last year but we didn't move here until the end of June um we missed all of, like, the springtime blooming. Mm-hmm. So I had no idea that we have a bunch of lilacs. Ooh! Like, had, had no idea. So I, of course, absconded with some from my father-in-law's farm. <laughs> and it turns out, no, I already have some.
0: <laughs> there's, a, there's a house toward town that has, at this point, I don't know if you could call it a bush... Because it is literally taller than the house itself, and I stalk in the shit out of that. <laughs> That's uh, huge. Yeah. That's lots and lots. I used to. It's it's been a little trickier around here, but yet not as tricky because like I always had. <laughs> we always growing up. Um, I grew up with fireworks, and then like I always knew the spots to go in. I I did the the food bank in town. Because they had a ton of lilacs. So I would donate a bag of food and steal their lilacs. In my head, quid pro quo. (laughs)
1: Seems fine. Um,
0: But here, like, I don't entirely know things are much more uh, spread out and everything. But at the same time, if I posted our local Facebook group, hey, I'm looking to steal some, some lilacs. Like five people be like, come cut some bars. So it takes a little bit of the sneakiness out of it, which is kind of fun sometimes. Um, But at the same time, it also, you know, guarantees you a solid source of the lilacs. So,
1: yes, yes. Well, I look forward to your stories of stealth and thievery.
0: (laughs) My botanica thievery.
1: Mm, You know, like you do. Yep. Oh, that reminds me. I got a flower press for Christmas. Nice. Now would be the time.
0: <laughs> now would indeed be the time.
1: Mm-hmm. And I planted some poppies that I think are starting to come up. Poppies! Poppies. Poppies will make them <laughs> sleep. <laughs> yes, that's how
0: I will forever yes. hear the word poppies. How they
1: sleep. <laughs> um. Yes. Nice. That, that is probably plenty, uh, Wicked Witch, for <laughs> one day. Uh, <laughs> oh, I also went roller skating last Friday.
0: That for- photo that you posted was aesthetically just made every bit of me happy. Just so delightful.
1: <sighs> it, yeah. Um, I have to say <laughs> my 40-year-old body was like, excuse me. Yeah. Yeah. these muscles have not been used in a very long time the specific skating muscles no nah. yeah. Young no youngest has some
0: skates and is um is considering doing derby yes She's very excited uh, which i am not surprised um and uh in fact we we watched Whip It for like the nine thousandth time the other night. Um
1: Oh it Wisconsin is the Dairyland dolls, right? Um
0: I don't know. We I think that's Madison. I was, I was gonna say, we come from Milwaukee, which is Bruce City Bruisers. Mm-hmm. Um and Yeah,
1: have, I, I think I have, Madison is Dairyland dolls.
0: I have a ton they of used to Yeah. That uh that have done derby. So uh we were looking at names, <laughs> which is always fun. I mean,
1: she could always go with uh, my Derby name oh. because we have the same name. <laughs> oh, that's
0: true. That is true.
1: Yeah. Um, which is Haley Hellcat.
0: Nice. We were looking at Hailstorm. Oh, yes. Uh, she's also a fan of Harley Quinn. We thought about Gnarly Quinn. Nice. Mine I is. Like in- it. Mine is Nerdosaurus Rex, and Rex is spelled like W R E C K S. Yeah. So she's got a little list going. We're gonna order the helmet and some pads, and she's gonna strap up and get to practicing and see where it goes. So
1: that's fun.
0: But I'm excited for you and being able to whip around. I mean, oh, yeah, the bruises. That-, <laughs> <laughs> that part's not fun, but there's. That little, that moment where your inner, your inner child's going, wee <laughs> It's fun.
1: Yeah, there was a brief moment when Journeys Don't Stop Believing was blasting, <laughs> and yes. I was like, all right, I have time traveled, it's fine, and all of a sudden, my legs were like, we know how to skate, we can do crossovers, <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> and then I face planted. <laughs> yeah, I, uh...
0: I crashed
1: several times, and it turns out that wrist guards are amazing. Yes, they They weren't a thing when I was younger. And also, it's a whole lot funnier when you spectacularly wipe out. When you're 40 and think it's funny <laughs> yes then when you're younger and are like oh who's looking at me oh, right okay. Cause you're at, the at me right. i am trying to just pick gonna somebody. laugh at you <laughs> and laugh at me yep. and we're all gonna laugh together it's fine but yeah so that's that's a thing that's um, an awesome thing Speaking yeah, so of skating again this friday
0: that is very cool May you may you uh be more successful with your
1: crossovers and
0: experience much with bruising.
1: <laughs> yeah, my right side has some beautiful purple and orangey yellow bruises mm-hmm. at the moment.
0: Bruises are kinda of fun when they don't hurt.
1: Oh, these hurt.
0: Oh no. Salt. Epsom salt.
1: I just, uh, I'm afraid of my bathtub. It's it's a whole. Oh
0: no, that makes yeah. No, I, I
1: recall. <laughs> I, I I do not know the precise structural integrity of the floor in that bathroom, and so I'm afraid to fill up the tub. That's true. Um, Which it's fine. Okay, the answer so... is it's fine.
0: Uh, we need to get you some Amish The Amish healing balm
1: <laughs> Alright Yep
0: That'll do it So speaking of cool Noted. stuff Now what? we should <laughs> We should probably take a quick break To thank all of our Fantastic Curiosity Shop members Over on the Patreon You are amazing yes and if you join us you will get your own special totally normal and not at all creepy welcome shout out right about here in a future podcast
1: it's true because you yes you are the best, the best. and we would totally go explore hidden old graveyards in the woods with you which is a especially uh pertinent given our topics today
0: indeed and if you want in on this fun not only are you going to get some really great surprises and stuff you also get like a ginormous backlog of patreon only episodes i think we're up to 62 now getting ready to record 63 which is Mm -hmm. a wonderful tie-in to this week's episode so yeah uh Do it. Join us. Become one of us.
1: Hang out. One of us. One of us. (laughs) One of us. I was really afraid for a moment that when I stopped doing that, it was going to keep going behind me. (laughs) Because I have my back to the passage door. Oh, no. (laughs) (sighs) It's fine. Indeed, indeed. At least it hasn't opened itself in like the past half hour.
0: That's good. That's a good thing.
1: Oh, Mr. Big Stuff is howling outside my door. He can't come in. An explosion happened. Yes. Oh, gosh. Anyway, uh, do you want to talk about some treasure?
0: Always. Treasure is fun.
1: Yeah. Would you like me to start or would you like to
0: start? Uh, I think we usually go with you first.
1: We do usually go with me first, but you know, them. we I'm... can mix it up if ever we wanted
0: to. <laughs> I'm never picky.
1: I am always picky See? forever. It works out well. Yeah. Then. <laughs> Keep me with I'm your treasure. I'm not picky treasure. about that though. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh my goodness, what am I even doing? Oh, I'm, I'm getting
0: ready to tell me all about the treasure.
1: Yeah, I am going to tell you about treasure. So, Biggie's going to tell you all about something.
0: (laughs) This episode, sponsored by Biggie.
1: (laughs) I don't know why he's up here. He's supposed to be being fed by Jeremy. Who is apparently... Oh, he has just gotten real quiet, real
0: fast. (laughs) A can <laughs> has opened somewhere. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. Yes, I do believe that he has just gone thundering down the stairs. <laughs> All right. I anyway, know that
0: thunder so well. Ron Swanson sounds like a grown-ass man coming down those stairs. If it wasn't for the bell around his neck, I'd get worried some nights.
1: <laughs> yep. Yep. That is relatable. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> Very relatable. So, back to treasure. Treasure. so I don't know about you, but I don't think anything sounds more fun to me than hunting for treasure with my friends. Because, I mean, history geeks, friends, mysterious things. Oh, yeah. Weird locations. Yes. Like, I, I feel really good about that. And I would probably... Go into significantly more areas looking for treasure than I would in normal life. Like, I would suspend my anxiety for significantly more locations. So, yes. you know, it's entirely possible that I would go into a cave or a basement filled with spiders. Or a creepy house in the middle of the woods, you know, if if there's a good reason. Oh yeah. I, mean, I I feel like that is just like I feel like as a mini human, it is my duty to humanity to go into the bad idea places if there's treasure. Yeah. Yeah. I or agree. Like, goonies pirate ship treasure. Yes.
0: And it's that whole feeling like when you're a kid, where you're like all about like ghost stories and shit, and you're like I want to see it go. When you're with your friends are like 10,000 times more bold.
1: <laughs> you know? Oh yeah, yeah. And <laughs> oh, it's just so exciting and you're going to find a mystery and uncover a thing. Yes. And it's Yeah, and so uh, I feel like relatively few adult activities really bring that feeling back. Right. But I feel like looking for treasure is kind of, like, it does it for me. It really does. And so I have long wanted to do something like metal detecting or something like that, but I lived in New York City. You can not do that shit in New York City. (laughs) No. Like, it's... No yeah. Yeah. Like what am I gonna do? go out into the wilds of Staten Island and <laughs> uh, find bullets? <laughs> like, maybe not. Um, yeah, it's not not a great opportunity. I'm sure that there are people who do and I'm sure that there are like I can already feel the emails coming in be mm. like you are absolutely incorrect we do this all the time which is great but tell i don't want to get arrested today right. <laughs> tell us and, about it we'd love to hear it like yeah, oh yes definitely and also all of the um, islands in the east river that have like the old uh, sanatoriums oh, on them sure. and uh things like that they like i know people who have gone to there and it sounds really great, and I am totally not getting arrested for that. Right. But, I don't know, like 22-year-old me might have taken that chance.
0: Oh, for sure. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Because so, at that age, you're like, man, would do I get a ticket for trespassing? Whatever.
1: <laughs> yeah, I feel like tangling with the NYPD is a kind of different animal. Yeah. Having tangled with them when I was 22, uh, I did, it does not feel the same way as a small town.
0: Right. <laughs>
1: um, and we'll just leave that statement right there and walk away from it, whistling as though we did not say anything. Indeed. Okay. So... I feel like one of the great things about suddenly being a grown-ass woman with a Victorian mansion is that, like, old houses, have they have treasure. Yeah, they do. I mean, I haven't found any good treasure, I don't think, <laughs> but, uh, like, there's always that opportunity. So, um, in my old house in particular, I have found a very ornate toy cap gun that was hidden in the murder shack before we got that torn down. Ooh. And, yeah, imagine the, uh, construction (laughs) workers pulling that out of the wall. Um, and so we have that, and there are also glass jars and a bunch of old newspapers that were in a kind of secret room that was in the murder shack um and they are literally sitting within sight line of me because i don't know what to do with them yeah i don't want to make anything mad um and we've got like old coins like really old coins, but not anything special old yeah. coins that disappear and reappear from time to time in closets or on window seats or, you know, just randomly. There, there's a nickel that's really made the rounds. Um, <laughs> and, and that's fine. And I've also found, like, beads and little pieces of jewelry oh. from... Um, Like, things that have broken that got stuck in between floorboards or, like, old handmade sewing pins, um, which scare me every time I find them. And, like, you know, things that just settle into the cracks as you're sweeping or something like that. Which Um, seem
0: mundane, but at the same time, I think the tangible... Relativity of them, like you could picture yourself using sewing pins, and you know, you could, can it, yeah, visually imagine history. What the person was like, sewing, and you know,
1: yeah, I feel like holding that pin is sort of like reaching through time. Yeah, and because someone was doing the exact same thing with the exact same item that I'm holding, and they were holding it the same way that I'm holding it. I right. I just, I think that's, I do think, like, day-to-day items are really interesting. Um, and they are the most likely thing mm-hmm. to find in an old house. Um, very few people find actual treasure.
0: But, but that's the thing, is that I don't think it needs to be fancy and rare to be considered treasure, you
1: know? Oh, I agree. Um, We have found approximately one million handmade square nails because our house is built with them. They're just everywhere and there are extras all over.
0: It's just (laughs) fascinating, you know?
1: Yeah, and they're cool. And like, we just had a carpenter put down a floorboard because we were rewiring um, a light in one of the medallions um, Mm -hmm. in the parlor downstairs, and we had to do it from the floor above to not disturb the um, plaster Mm -hmm. on the medallion. And so a carpenter absolutely just put those nails from presumably 1848 right back in. That's awesome, (laughs) oh, I love that. Yeah, and so there's so much of that sort of thing. Like we've also found um, in within furniture um, tax stamps from liquor and <laughs> like I don't know the prohibition era items where you would have a prescription for fill in the blank thing that you wanted to drink cocaine like, things like that. Um. The entire history of gas lighting and then electrical lighting exists in the walls in my house. And so those sorts of things, I think, are really cool. And so we've started um, putting together a personal museum of our house.
0: Oh, I love that.
1: Yeah, so we're keeping the interesting... The interesting things that cannot remain in place for various reasons, Mm -hmm. like we just had our porch leveled and the rotting planks um, of the floor replaced and some work on the clabbered siding where the murder shack used to exist. Mm -hmm. And so there are some things that are worth saving but aren't safe to be in place anymore, um, like, structurally. And so we also found, and when I say we, I mean the fabulous construction team that has an eye out for things like this found um, an original piece of clabbered siding with the mill stamps on the inside, which was really cool. Right? yeah and so we're just collecting all of these little things and putting them aside because as like you know a tribute to the house like caring about that history and so like that is sort of one kind of treasure hunting um but then old houses like this although not this particular house that i know of yet can sometimes have real treasure. And so, um, I've mentioned before the, um, uh, home for wayward cats. Yes. They found real treasure, like Mm -hmm. treasure hidden under the floorboards, um, like gold coins, like real, (laughs) real treasure. And, um, I put a link in the show notes because there are events that they posted so people could take part in the actual looking around that's and funny. stuff like that. And they also did a basement dig, like a midnight basement dig at oh, one point. That's fun. Yeah, which and it, brings it makes me... sense
0: because there's a lot of points in history where banks weren't trusted and people Mm-hmm. Would stash their money, you know.
1: Oh, a lot of people would bury him. Yeah. Would bury valuables in the yard, or in the basement, or in the walls. Mm-hmm. Like that was that was not terribly uncommon, and it was even more common in, especially war torn places, and especially places where say, German soldiers were doing terrible things. Oh, suckers. Um, Which is not a thing that I got into, even though it is very much part of this kind of history. Yeah. Um, that isn't the area of this history that I'm looking at. And so this sort of got me to thinking, I have mysterious brick structures in my basements. Mm. That's right, basements, multiple. (laughs) And, like, why don't I go dig around in there? It's dirt. (laughs) That is true. (laughs) It it is a dirt floor, and there are mysterious holes that are covered up with wood that has been there for so long that it's smooth and shiny. Okay,
0: Um, you're going to need to bring salt. You're going to need to bring a really big light. (laughs) A A weapon of choice. I suggest a dagger.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, basically what I need is a friend and a metal detector. (laughs) Like that's what I need. Um although Jeremy does really think that he's going to start digging around in what we think is a giant cistern.
0: Okay.
1: It's a large oval shaped structure that is full of something. Okay. We think bricks. <laughs> <You> hope we hope <laughs> mm, it fucking know. Um <laughs> Yeah, so um so I don't know. I just I'm sort of I feel like weirdly springtime since I've been outside digging and sort of discovering things I didn't know about my house, even though thing those things have existed. Yeah, the whole time that I've been here, um, I'm like whipping out invasive species and digging into the dirt and sometimes finding weird things i mean it's mostly been uh exploded glass transformers (laughs) and things like that yeah um but
0: still there's that thrill of the unknown
1: yeah and like i haven't found a frozen charlotte yet oh i forgot to tell you i think when the um when the workers were doing our front porch work Mm They either brought a good luck charm statue figurine or found it under my porch. It's kind of unclear, but they put it in a a spot where it would preside over the entire project, and it stayed there the entire time.
0: Is it still there?
1: No, no. It left when they did. Oh, (laughs) So, I don't know what it was. <laughs> I never was it saw like it from a, the front.
0: Oh, you never saw it? So you, you don't know if it's like a statue of a saint or.
1: It was a uh, human. Okay. And I believe they had brown skin. Oh. Okay. Um, but I think that. I I think it was like a toy. Oh. Okay. I, <laughs> I mean. I, I, I'm not sure. I, I, I don't know. That's um, very interesting. I mean, it was. If it was under the porch, it also could have started out any color. Who knows? True. But um, but yeah. So like sometimes that sort of thing is just fun. It is. And I because I was curious about metal detecting, and I have been across the street neighbor who has attics and outbuildings filled with things that we have big plans to go through just because it Fine. those things came with their house. Mm-hmm. And, um, so I'm kind of in the mood to do a little bit of this exploring. And so I was wondering what exactly were the legalities around metal detecting and oh, yeah. like general treasure hunting? Um, Specifically in my area because I'm in New England and there's a lot of history here and I assumed that there would be a lot of regulation because of that and I sense. certainly correct but it's like it would seem that if I own it I can poke around in it which makes sense. I mean, with, you know, the exception of know where your gas line is. (laughs) Yes,
0: always. It's a phone call. Although we don't have Digger's Hotline is a call away.
1: (laughs) Yes. We have tanks. It's fine. Um, But so I, I kind of just really, I want to play around. I want to, I want a toy. I want a metal detector. Yeah. And I don't know how to use one, But I feel like I'd figure it out. They don't seem
0: particularly hard, but I could be wrong.
1: Uh, I think maybe there's a trick to the different tones that different kinds of metals make.
0: Oh, yeah. And there's variant Um, degrees of of metal detectors. There's the basic ones that are like the circle on the stick kind of thing, but there's some that have actual screens and shit on them. So...
1: Yeah, I think that's like ultrasound, um, uh, like ground penetrating, ground penetrating radar, or something. I don't know. I don't know what I'm talking about because I don't have a metal detector. <laughs> um, so I need, I need a friend. Yes. In the Vermont area this or is northern Maine. Really just need to be neighbors. Yeah, <laughs> I mean. I, that seems reasonable. The mansion next door is empty. Okay. Um, so, you know, just come on over. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so yeah, the, um, what was I saying? Oh. So because I'm super excited and want to go over my yard with, I want to dig up my whole yard and I shouldn't because (laughs) it's kind of frowned upon. So I looked into metal detecting broadly and I zeroed in to begin with on Vermont loss. And Vermont's a really small state with a like really low population. Mm -hmm. I think we have like 600,000 people. So A lot of our like, (laughs) yes, a lot of our uh, my neighborhood in Brooklyn had more people than that. (laughs) Uh, So, a lot of government websites in Vermont are a
0: breath away from (laughs) GeoCities.
1: Oh, I I I have brought to you what I'm quite sure migrated from GeoCities in a second, but. Yeah, so there are lots of really funny links to primary sources that are weird to me. <laughs> so um, the defar- the department, <laughs> I'm twelve. <laughs> the department of forests. Parks and Recreation um, for Vermont has a page dedicated to metal detecting and gold panning. Both. Oh, wow! Like on the same line <laughs> um, that links to a scanned. Report from the state geologists in <laughs> the mid-1800s, and it was scanned in 1998, according to the file name. <laughs> it's, it's real bad.
0: Oh, <laughs> and yet so good.
1: <laughs> yeah. And uh, then a link to the website Metal Detecting World, which is a personal website of... <laughs> okay. I mean, a dedicated hobbyist. I might say this person is a professional, but I'm not really sure what the requirements of that are. But certainly someone with great experience. And so in Vermont, um, basically the states like... Yeah, finding and removing metal objects from beaches, parking areas, campsites, great. That will keep sharp things from cutting people. But also, if that park is located in some place with history or archaeology, you're not allowed to do any of that. And I have, I'm hard pressed to think of state land that isn't state land because of that. Right. Um, So, yeah, I don't know. Um, But unlike most states, there is a specific checklist of when metal detecting is allowed, as opposed (laughs) to a checklist of when it isn't, which is basically always... um, So, previously disturbed areas, so like constructed beaches or roadways, parking lots, I imagine they'd be kind of mad if you dug in a parking lot, but, um, or, you know, established campsites, things like that. That, that is apparently mostly fine, mm. and sometimes you can do other places, but... Mm. But the Commissioner of Forests and Parks has to approve it. And that process is real unclear to me. Um, (laughs) But, yeah, so there it's a lot of really weird and specific rules that don't make much sense to me because I don't do this, I guess. But, like, Probing in permitted areas only with a hand tool to a maximum depth of three inches. I mean, at least give me six. (laughs) Yeah. And you can't do it in areas with obvious historical significance. So stone walls, cellar holes, etc. What about my own cellar hole?
0: Sounds like (laughs) you... Hey your cellar hole, your choice.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But also Vermont is literally covered in stone walls. You will find them everywhere because at one point in history, most of Vermont was clear cut and was um, grazing pasture and stone walls were built to demarcate those areas and so you'll be wandering through the woods and come upon a stone wall.
0: I can't imagine like, that
1: there's a every lot of five seconds
0: cops out there that are like, hey, we got to take you in for metal, metal detecting. Like, I, I can't imagine that. Have you seen
1: Super Troopers? Because that's the Vermont <laughs> State Police. Oh, no. Okay. <laughs> Just going to leave it. Okay. <laughs> yep. All right. So, um... You are, however, if you are metal detecting, required to pick up and properly dispose of the items that you find um, that are like bottle caps and pull tabs and, I mean, glass, but you wouldn't find that with a metal detector. Right. And so I like that. I like that that is a thing. And there's sort of the general campsite rule of leave it how you found it. Yeah. So if you disturb something, you have to undisturb it. Um, But I learned today that there was gold panning (laughs) in Vermont.
0: That is wild to me. Yeah.
1: Quote, you are probably familiar with the famous California gold rush, but how many know that one occurred in Plymouth, Vermont? Farmers discovered placer gold in Broadbrook and, for a time, gave up their farming to pan gold. Canny yanks that they were, they soon calculated that they weren't really earning more money than they had from farming, and the Vermont gold rush was over. (laughs) This is from the government website of vermont i just so it wasn't so much a rush as
0: a maybe a trickle or a jaunt
1: (laughs) yeah yeah so whatever um so i guess what i've learned from looking up the regulations in a lot of different areas is Frankly, a lot of people want to go treasure hunting yeah. and enough of them want to do so that some pretty detailed, um, no, you can't is hosted on government sets, um, which honestly seems kind of like more trouble than it's worth. But I guess if you have especially sensitive ecological areas or historic True. areas, I get that. Um, so, let's see. As you know, I'm a giant nerd. And as far as I can tell, the metal detecting community also seems to be filled with giant nerds.
0: Yes, Our people.
1: I feel like it's not dissimilar to, like, a a Dungeons and Dragons Guild or um, Warhammer players, I feel like I would find the surfing. same people. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yep. Give me some, some LARPing, some tabletop RPGs, and I think there's a lot of crossover mm-hmm. between like geeky dudes mm-hmm. and. Traitor. <laughs> very specific interest. Metal detecting. Yeah. Um, which I I love because I, too, am a person of very specific interests and I feel like we would get along. But I also feel like it's kind of like the ghost hunting community in places where it's Ooh, yeah. hard to get into because, Wait. like, I was going to say proving your metal, but <laughs> that is, Yeah. But, like, I see dead people, but I'm certainly not going to show up to any ghost hunting group and try to make anybody believe that. Yeah. Because it's sort of gatekeepy. And a lot of
0: mansplaining.
1: Yeah. And it kind of feels like the metal detecting community might be that as well. But I could be completely wrong. Mm-hmm. Like it may just be that I have come across the U.S. welcoming parts of that community on the Internet. But um, so I think that if you can like if you've gotten in, if you make a friend with somebody who's involved, then probably you too can be involved. But uh, I, f- I feel a little out of my depth yeah. in that particular area. But going back to the whole giant nerds of it all, I feel like a fine example of people being giant nerds about very specific things is the Metal Detecting Hobby Talk website, which I have linked, um, which looks like, Really, really enthusiastic people with just enough HTML knowledge to make trouble constructed (laughs) it in the late 90s. I love that. And I say that with love. Yes. And I say that also having multiple geocities under my belt that harken back to the days of dial-up.
0: But it, it tracks because there's that that the nerd dump tracks in there because there's that. Yeah. Yeah. I get,
1: yes. Yes. But then it's functional. And so nobody ever decided it needed to be pretty. Right. So it still looks exactly the same as it probably ever did. Um, But I am delighted to find that uh, specifically that website, but that is not unusual within the, Metal detecting community <laughs> website design. <laughs> uh, I am delighted to book. say that the forums are very much alive. Yeah, like there are twenty twenty three posts of plenty, so they are actually still being used, and it's not like a relic of internet's past. Um, so I think that's kind of cool, and. A lot of these sites, because they are people who are sort of skirting the lines of what is and what isn't trespassing, or what is and what isn't legal, or what is and what isn't ethical. Um, They're they're, rebellious nerds. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, curious nerds who think the rules don't apply to them, probably. Okay, yeah. (laughs) That's
0: another way to look at it. (laughs) Yeah.
1: But um, because of that, they really go all in on things like interactive maps of the different regulations state by state. And like, they make it relatively easy to pull up the information that you would need to maybe not get arrested. Well, <laughs> Which I think is really useful and right. really cool. Like somebody sat down and was like, I got to do this thing. Mm-hmm. And then they did that thing for 36 hours yeah and then it was useful to the whole community yeah. and still is I love that so yeah so I just I just think that's really neat um, it sort of reminds me of like the Halcyon days of craft blogs when mm-hmm. a really enthusiastic personality could sling an awful lot of good information um, mm-hmm. while still remaining personal, like not trying to make their website a company or a brand or anything. Right. Um, and it feels like this is still like this community is often still like that. Like what is it? Cut and, and paste? Is that it?
0: Like That's still around. There's a couple of them that are still around that are oh, still. Cut, the... um,
1: cut, copy, uh, well, yeah, I'll. It'll you know what from. I'm talking
0: about. Yeah, there's. Yeah, kind of I, I know exactly out there what you're talking about. Yeah, and it's primarily like bulletin boards and, you know, threads and forums and, and stuff, but it's, yeah, it's lovely.
1: Good memories. Oh, Jack. Oh, Jack really wants to come in. I guess dinner's <laughs> over. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I. I just think that's neat, and I am delighted that the state of Vermont links to the Metal Detecting World website, which seems to just be some guy. (laughs) Well, you know, when you
0: find an expert, you know, and you find a good source.
1: And he does seem to be like a very good source, Um, but it's just funny to me that a government website's going to link to just some guy. (laughs) Um, So... In a delightfully pessimistic excerpt from the first annual report on geology of the state of Vermont um, by C.B. Adams, who was the state geologist in 1845, Um, he wasn't that into (laughs) Vermont gold rush. (laughs) And uh, he said, what is true of all mining is especially true of gold mining. It is exceedingly uncertain business. If anywhere in nature lawlessness or if anywhere in nature lawlessness rules, it is in the arrangement of mineral veins. They may pass from rich to poor or wide to narrow, very suddenly and apparently without any reason whatsoever. <laughs> um, about all that is sure in a vein of ore is that part which is actually in sight. Hence, whoever goes into mining should distinctly understand that he is engaging in a very risky business, though a perfectly legitimate business. Much money has been made in mining, but much has also been lost. (laughs) He's a lot of fun at parties. (laughs) An official government report. Like, wah, wah. Um, So... Unsurprisingly, the places where it seems like you would be likely to find the most cool things are the things that are well and truly off limits. Um, The U.S. Forest Service has a lot to say about that matter, Um, and it is more or less exactly what you think they would have to say. But... They do offer a legal way to be involved with a lot of those archaeological and restoration sites, Hmm. which do sometimes allow for um, hobby metal detector, metal detectists um, to work alongside professional archaeologists, That's fine. Or the Forest Service. Um, And the program is called Passport in Time. And there's a calendar with information by state on the kinds of help they're looking for. And, like, it also seems to be stuck in the 90s. (laughs) But it also seems like I pulled up the... um, The calendar and there are things happening right now. And so I think that that's really cool that they, they know Mm -hmm. that people are going to do it anyway. And so giving someone a way to do it with some prestige attached is a really good way to make that attractive. Yeah. Instead of just doing your own thing. Because you can really screw up some sites. Yeah. Most of the time, probably not. Probably you're just going to dig up a coin somebody dropped 100 years ago. But. But you never know. Sometimes that's connected to an entirely larger context. and Like a crime scene. It's important that you don't. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) Uh, It's important that you don't fuck with that. Yeah. Yep. 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 And so if you too feel suddenly inclined to go search for God knows what, God knows where, (laughs) a few places where you might want to do that are known old trash piles, um, because trash was usually buried in backyards of old houses, um, this is one of the weird New York City areas where you can, in fact, find treasure Trazer. because people buried their trash in the uh, in their backyards. And okay. so you can find lots of cool bottles and things like that. And I mean, the same for not city areas. Usually properties had a pit for trash, um, <laughs> trash or... Pit. Like especially old um, areas where outhouses would have been, mm-hmm. because people throw weird things <laughs> into outhouses, and I mean, by the time you would be poking around in them, yeah. the the lilacs have taken right care yeah. of anything that you ought to be concerned about, probably. But you know, to poke around in your garden bed. Get a rake out. Just turn up some soil. That's, that's a really solid way to do it. Um, the thing you probably shouldn't do is illegal shit, even though it would be really cool. <laughs> I mean, I have to say it yeah. because well, you I don't Yep.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. But what I want to know. From our listeners, is what is the weirdest thing you've ever found? Oh, yeah, like in a setting like this. Um, please tell us, we really want to know. Um, you can message us at bones and bobbins on the socials or email us your story at podcast at bonesandbobbins.com. And it doesn't need to be something fit for us to read on a podcast, right. like, you can just tell us a fun story and we can just be excited about it.
0: Oh, absolutely. Yeah.
1: Yes. So please tell us, tell us about the weird shit you find. And
0: tell us all the teens.
1: Yes. I, mean, I, I think that's it. I, I There's a lot of research uh, links that are in the show notes that will give you some places to... Poke around if you want to figure out what the laws are in your state.
0: Nice. I am excited because I am too carrying on the nerd love.
1: Yes. Uh, I'm excited for yours. It's
0: this, this, the research on all this just hit all the, hit all the feels, hit all the good parts. It was so nice. So if you're listening to this, odds are you've at least heard the term geocaching. Some of you may even be thinking, is that still a thing? Not only is it still a thing, but according to the official site, geocaching is the world's largest treasure hunting game with over three million cleverly hidden containers called geocaches hidden all over the world just waiting to be found. That's so fun. Today I'm going to talk about it. Uh, Yes. To start out, I'm going to take us back to its birth. Well, the day before it, the big blue switch occurred on May 2nd, 2000. Almost the ex- big blue switch? Mm-hmm. Almost exactly 23 years ago. Back when you had to, oh, print out MapQuest directions and hope they were right. You oh see- my
1: God. I once drove <laughs> from uh, Detroit to New York City through Canada, oh, um, instead of under um, the Great Lakes, with printed mapquest oh, directions, that's a brave mission. Uh, yeah, I just found the notebook um, <laughs> oh, when is. I was putting things away last week. Oh, that's fun. Uh,
0: yeah, because yeah, you know, prior to 2000, the U.S. military created and deployed satellites to produce accurate location information, but for military applications only. This was known as the Global Positioning System, or what we commonly call GPS. But, selective availability restricted precise GPS data to only the U.S. government. Until on May 2nd, 2000, the U.S. government flipped the switch and made accurate GPS available to all. Hmm. Geocachers are now proudly call this day the Blue Switch Day, and they... Celebrate it in spectacular ways every year. Ah, Now, before I tell you how this gave birth to the first Geogash in a day, I want to take a moment to highlight a GPS pioneer named Gladys West. At a time of very few black women in science, West worked for the U.S. Navy to develop accurate models of the Earth for, for satellites. Cool. West's work in geodesy laid the foundation for GPS infrastructure. West and her team employed algorithms to account for Earth's complexity, such as the various levels of gravity worldwide, and she created hmm. popular, or she created commu- computer programs to calculate precise sat- satellite orbits. These calculations would become the underlying foundation for GPS. We love us some badass women, and Gladys deserves That's cool. huge recognition for her work. So the next time you get lost and Google Maps get your ass out safely, you can thank Gladys. So the, I uh,
1: frequently will be thanking Gladys.
0: She's adorable, too. Um, so the switch was flipped and access was out there. Now, the first documented placement of a GPS-located cache took place on May third, 2000, the very next hmm. day. By Dave Ulmer of Beaver Creek, Oregon.
1: I am really surprised that GPS is that young. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I I yes, but also no.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it's weird. So the location was posted on the Usenet newsgroup.
1: Oh <laughs> uh, boy. <sci.
0: laughs> geo. Satellite. Slash Nav at forty-five degrees seventeen point forty-six north, one hundred twenty-two degrees twenty-four point eight zero zero west. Uh, I'm hoping I'm reading that right, cause I don't know. But uh, within three days, the cache had been found twice. First by somebody named Mike Teague, according to Dave Almer's message, this cache was a black plastic bucket. That was partially buried and contained software, videos, books, money, a can of beans, and a slingshot. The, Fun. The geocache and most of its contents were eventually destroyed by a lawnmower. The can <laughs> of beans was the only item salvaged and was turned into a trackable item called the original can of beans.
1: Another geoc- I bet that... Can destroyed the lawnmower <laughs>
0: Right Another geocache of plaque Called the original stash tribute plaque Now sits at that site So at this time Dave and his merry band of nerds Called it geostashing And had no idea what it would turn to You see they were just a group of people Who were interested in technology And geography That used GPS devices And the internet To reinvent the older hobby of letterboxing. Right. Letterboxing is fucking amazing. I'm a, and I'm all about bringing it to the uh, populative gear caching right now.
1: Um, yeah, I, I think we actually did an episode on that um, on Very Serious Crafts. Ooh,
0: possibly. I, I, now, I was first introduced to it when my eldest had a letterboxing unit in one of her art classes. Like, I really fucking loved Youth Initiative High School and cannot say enough things about it. Uh, So our friend's letterboxing uh, origin can be traced to Dartmoor, Devon, England in 1854. William Crossing in his guide to Dartmoor states that a well-known Dartmoor guide, James Parrott, Placed a bottle for visiting cards at Cranmere Pool on the North Moor in 1854. From this, hikers on the moor began to leave letters or postcards inside the box along the trail. Sometimes they were addressed to themselves, sometimes a friend or a relative, hence the name letterboxing. Now, the next person that discovered that site would collect the postcards and actually post them. In 1938, a plaque and letterbox in Crossing's memory were placed at Duck's Pool on southern Dartmoor. The first Dartmoor letterboxes were so remote and well-hidden that only the most determined walkers could find them, allowing weeks to pass before letters made its way home, uh, until the 1970s, uh, where there were no more than a dozen such sites around the moor, usually in the most inaccessible locations. However, letterboxes have been located in relatively accessible sites, um... And today there are like thousands of letterboxes within walking distance of the road. And as a result, in the tradition of leaving a letter or postcard in the box that has been forgotten. Um, mm-hmm. Membership, the 100 Club, is open to anyone who has found at least 100 letterboxes on Dotmore. And clues to locations of the letter boxes are published by the 100 Club in an annual catalog. Cool. Some letter boxes, however, still remain word of mouth, and the clues to their locations can only be obtained from the person who placed the box. Some clues. Oh, I forgot
1: that it was. That it was sneaky, sneaky.
0: Yeah. Some clues may also be found in other letter boxes or on the internet, but this is more common for letter boxes in places other than Dartmoor, where there's like no 100 Club or a catalog. Right. Letterboxing has become a popular sport with thousands of walkers gathering for box hunts. And while in some areas of Dartmoor, it is particularly popular amongst children. Some of them more difficult to find boxes and tougher terrain are better suited for more experienced adults. Letterboxes can be found in areas uh, of the UK and then they've spread like all over the world. The Scottish artist Alec Finley has placed letterboxes with rubber-stamped circle poems at locations around the world, including Yorkshire Sculpture Park. Interest Hmm. in the U.S. uh, is generally considered to have been kicked off by a feature article in the Smithsonian Magazine in April of 1998. Clues to American letterboxes are commonly published on several different websites. Um, Now, if... Letters are no longer left, you know, what is? Well, individual letterboxes usually contain a logbook, and often hand-carved rubber stamp, and occasionally contain an ink pad. Finders make an imprint of the letterbox's stamp on their personal logbook, and then they leave an imprint of their personal stamp on the letterbox's logbook.
1: Uh, oh, I fucking love that. I know, my
0: eldest had to carve her stamp, and then, you know, head out and, you know... A, you know find uh, Ways to fill her book up And it was yeah. ridiculously fucking delightful Now according to the official Letterbox site uh, Which is At least it's letterbox.org. I've linked it But I I, I checked it prior to recording Today and the most recent Letterbox found Just happened to Today just happened to be In Milwaukee on the Cardinal Stritch campus and was it you? <laughs> no, um, and it was today. <laughs> so I thought that was huh. amazing. So if you read the site, though, many leave behind like mysterious letters, and it's it's all so much fun. Like there will be bits. Oh, of- I
1: love a good mystery. Yes,
0: it's it's very much an art, literary think, Bridgertonery. You know what I mean? Like the. I can almost picture like there should
1: husbands. be a murder mystery series specifically about letterboxers. I literally wrote that down in
0: my notes. <laughs> I totally did. Um, so, I'm sorry. no, don't, don't at all. So, absolutely, please check out the site. Um, and I've actually added carving my own stamp, my own letterbox stamp to my to do list. So, I will rein it back up. So,
1: um, oh, I now I need to right. figure out if there's a um, Vermont's weird. There's a community the for a, pretty much all of the weird artsy things. So I feel like
0: also I'm thinking, yeah. hear me out. There's gotta be a way to tie in letterboxes with little free libraries. Ooh. Like mi- like 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 little mysterious notes hidden in the in the books in the free libraries. And you're paging through, and it takes, you know, it takes you on a mystery to, like, a letterbox. Yeah. Yeah. My mind was going on this. So, alright. Rating it back in. Yay, Gladys. I found
1: notes in books in Little Free Libraries. Oh, yeah. There are approximately one million of them. Yeah. In the town I live in.
0: Um. Yeah. So, my mind has been going on that one. Ah, so, yay, Gladys. Flip the switch. Good old Dave. Brings us up to, it's September of 2000. So this happened in May is when it started. So September, not that far off. Jeremy Irish launched geocaching.com, which was a listing site for geocaches. At the time of its launch, there were 75 known geocaches worldwide. Around October, November of 2000, Jeremy Irish, Elias Alvord, and Brian Roth founded the company Groundspeak Inc., DBA geocaching headquarters to support the game of geocaching. Initial revenue came from the sale of 144 geocaching t-shirts. Cool. G- Groundspeak is now worth far more than that. Uh, the premium membership rate um, of $30 for the year has not increased at all over 20 years. They've kept the price the same. And, nice. Right, and you don't need the premium at all. Uh, in 2002, Geocaching Headquarters launched "Cash in Trash Out, um, an environmental initiative that is supported by the worldwide geocaching community. So geocachers and community groups work together at these organized events to help improve outdoor spaces and preserve the natural beauty of geocache-friendly spaces by picking up trash, removing invasive species... And since its launch, more than 333,000 people have volunteered at 16,000 events and over 8 million liters of garbage have been collected. Cool. One of the biggest rules of geocaching is pretty much do no harm. You leave it as you found it. You do nothing that would disturb the animals or plants where the geocache is placed. Uh, And respect for nature is absolutely fucking key. Now, the contents of geocaches are kind of a free for all. Um, there's pretty much just, like, one rule, which is no food, drugs, or weapons. Food, kiss, animals. Uh, and animals will get shit open. Uh, drugs and weapons, obvious. But, like, tchotchkes galore are encouraged. And you may take any item in there if you leave one of equal or higher value. Like letterboxes, they also have a logbook for you to sign. But not a stamp, it's just your signature. But some logbooks also contain information about the area... Or the person that originally placed it. Sometimes there's even jokes that are left. You never know, like what, what you're gonna find. Um, now geocaching that's was so fun, right? Geocaching was huge around 2010, 2011, and again, many are like, "Oh, that's still a thing." Not only is it still a thing, but it continues to grow and thrive to the point where, like, the Boy Scouts have an official geocaching badge. Outdoor. Oh, that's awesome. Outdoor companies like REI have teams and sections of their own, like site devoted to it. And hundreds of state and local parks around the U.S. not only have it featured on their sites, but host events and um and more. So that's
1: deeply wholesome.
0: It is. It, I am. I'm telling you, like I, this all fucking hit every part. Every part. I'm so excited. So do you cash by the numbers? Just some quick facts. Like I said, there's more than 3 million million active geocaches worldwide. Geocaches are hidden in 191 different countries on all seven continents, including Antarctica. More than 642. Wait, including Antarctica? (coughs) Yep. (coughs) Including Antarctica.
1: Somebody (coughs) had a geek at a research station.
0: (laughs) Right? (coughs) Excuse me, just a moment. Currently there are over, oh wait. More than 642 million found it and event attended logs have been recorded since the game started in 2000. Currently, there are over 361,000 geocache owners throughout the world. Geocachers gather at over 36,000 events annually to share stories and to, I guess, play the game, even though it's not really a game. Like, I don't... right um there are more than 200 i mean it's an activity right there are more than 200 geocaching organizations around the world geocaching.com is translated into 24 languages um android and ios apps are translated into over 20 languages okay that's cool but what do you do and how can you get anonymous fun i'm glad you asked Uh, It's easy. You strap on a comfortable pair of walking or hiking shoes, grab a pen, and download the geocaching app for free. Link is in the show notes. Uh, If you're feeling fancy, grab some, I don't know, old Happy Meal toys or stickers or any old trinket you have lying about. Uh, Sign up for your free account, and you'll be able to see any geocaches in your area. Pick one and find it. Like, it is the most accessible activity like, you literally just need to have a phone.
1: That's cool.
0: Like, it's, and even the, the atmosphere, Like, everything about it is free for you to, to participate in. Um, now, before I wrap this up, the nerd and wannabe librarian in me feels the need to mention Groundspeak's other baby. So besides geocaching, their other baby is called Waymarking. While hmm. geocaching, Caches are hidden treasures to be found. Waymarking is a way to photograph, identify, and log things in places that hold importance of some sort, even if it's just one person. According to waymarking.com, waymarking is a way to mark unique locations on the planet and give them a voice. While GPS technology allows us to pinpoint any location on the planet, mark the location, and share it with others, Waymarking is the tool set for categorizing and adding unique information for that location. Groundspeak's slogan is the language of the location. And our goal is to give people the tools to help others share and discover unique and interesting locations on the planet. We invite you to share your part of the world with us through Maymarking.com. And again, you can download a free app and create a free account. Man, that's so cool. Right? So now that spring has finally arrived... Maybe use letterboxing, geocaching, and waymarking to like create some pocket adventures of your own. Hear me out, anybody listening?
1: Maybe I can meet some friends since I don't have any. Oh, what? I your have. I I have plenty of friends <laughs> in general. Just yes, like three where I live. Hear me out.
0: <laughs> if yeah. somebody came up to me and asked me to go geocaching, letterboxing, or waymarking on a date, tossing a picnic, that's Woo City right there. That is... My nerd heart is like, yes, you see me. Like, is
1: that so Do you hear that, people who are listening? <laughs> um, I I feel as though we need to make a podcast date happen for Natalie.
0: I just... just it, saying. I just think it's so fun. It's so fun. Like, on... And, and I'm thinking for us, like around here, waymarking would be super important for all of the vast farmlands that have like two graves sitting in a corner that are considered a cemetery. You can't find it on find a grave, but it's important for that family. You know what I mean? Like there's so many things. Oh, yeah, mark. absolutely. Like I just. Yeah. So what started out as a huh, geocaching turned into so much more and its birth and its growth and. The things that it's connected to, and I think all three dudes that started Ground Speak, I believe are still active that's still their company. Um and they and the fact that they haven't raised the thirty dollar annual premium membership free in twenty years, like just and that they launched the environmental initiative. That they're, you know. It just That makes me happy. Yeah, you know, I like I wanna hug these people. Like yeah, I think it's pretty, and nobody amazing.
1: used the the second one for evil because so many sites get destroyed. Yeah. So you know. Be, be very nice. Be
0: respectful. So. <laughs> yep, absolutely.
1: So, that what a cool collection of things to do. Right. That's so fun. And think
0: about like the just it's such a wholesome activity to do with like your family or your friends or and it doesn't cost anything and you can do it anywhere like it just yeah i think it's pretty fun you can do your own little yeah mystery and treasure i love hunting. that
1: i think that is so cool
0: i think so too so
1: yeah and no, i i kind of want to go play outside right right oh maybe interact with another human Maybe.
0: Back in our days, we used to leave the house in the summertime and not come home until it was dinnertime.
1: <laughs> I, I know. I'm from then.
0: <laughs> I know. Can you imagine just <laughs> running around and doing all these things? It'd be fun.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, we kind of did that, except I mean, yes. it was stashes of porn magazines <laughs> <laughs> in
0: the woods. <laughs> right? Oh. There was always one. There was always one like Woods that had stash of porn magazines. There's always one. Oh my god yep.
1: that's funny Ours And definitely somebody's Older brother hid booze somewhere
0: Oh absolutely
1: Yep oh And I do miss a secret clubhouse Uh mm-hmm. Absolutely yeah. So mm.
0: I believe that brings us To
1: <gasps> really? worst worst way To die, die. <laughs> uh what's yours
0: (laughs) so mine is finally reaching that elusive geocache only to get bit by some weird weird insect that i end up being deathly allergic to bonus best way is hugging some adorable wildlife i encountered hunting down a geocache that clearly does not want to be hugged because that's how i inevitably shuffle off this I portal. I think oil. you need to
1: carry an EpiPen and a first aid kit. Yeah. <laughs> Perhaps a tourniquet. Kit. Um, yep, yeah, that that sounds about right. <laughs> um, what about you? Mine is uh, whatever is in the mysterious brick structure in my basement. <laughs>
0: Valid. Very valid.
1: Yep. I don't know what it is, (laughs) but it's something.
0: It is indeed. So, do you want to be spooky internet friends? Obviously. Right? You can find us at Bones and Bobbins on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all of the social medias, or you can just pop on over to BonesandBobbins.com.
1: It's true, and don't forget to rate and review this podcast because, you know, it pleases the internet gremlins, and that's how we show up in recommendations so that other morbid souls can find us. Bring forth the morbid souls! Also, just makes us really happy. (laughs) It does. It's true. It makes our day. I I send screenshot texts to Natalie, and then we... <clears throat> squeak incoherently we do we do
0: it's it's true friendly. and on that note let us mm. leave you with some advice that you should never ever forget lock your doors yes.
1: and don't run with scissors <laughs> 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 Woo-hoo. okay bye everyone <laughs> hey, okay,
0: bye. Each episode of the Bones and Bobbins podcast is written and researched by Haley Pearson-Cox and Natalie Hoyce. Our music was composed by Loyalty Freak Music. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Bones and Bobbins. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, follow us on Spotify, or check us out wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts so you won't miss a minute of our strange and creepy content.